0: indeed episode number 55 rasball fantasy baseball podcast sun edition it's going to be the joel edition today because sun was rambling like a psycho man last week so i think it's only right for joel to take the reins and uh bring some semblance of order and responsibility uh to the rasball pod <laughs> yeah
1: um,
0: that's what i'll do <laughs> uh what's going on joel
1: i'm doing okay man i uh, i've got a, a... A funny story about uh christmas trees and how it impacted my writing this week but uh nice we'll let you we'll let you get your thing off first so then i can i can talk about my wisconsin
0: endeavors here <laughs> nice nice i'm looking forward to it uh all right let me take care of business first thrive fantasy shout out to them they're our sponsor come prop up on thrive fantasy this season thrive fantasy is a daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props With Thrive, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Choose 10 out of the 20 available player props to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props and rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has over 100,000 guaranteed in prizes for the NBA season. Use promo code RASBALL when you sign up today and you will receive a 100% instant first Deposit match up to $100. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. All right. Before Joel takes the reins here, um, <laughs> I wanted to kind of go on a, on a ramble. I'm going to ramble again. Hey, what do you know? One more time. Yeah, one more time. Um, when I was in college, you know, Wu Tang was a thing. That's when they hit their stride. That's when they all entered our domes uh, through our ears. I love them. I grew up with them. I love RZA, especially in particular. And so my, my buddy, uh, he just kind of gave me a reading recommendation recently, the Tao Wu. I think it has been out for a while, but uh, yeah, he just sent me that rec over. I- I've been reading it and uh, in past pods, you know, we've kind of talked about how the universe, I mean, it's everything connects, right? Like, so you can learn and glean some nugget or pearl of wisdom and apply that to other aspects of life. And since it's a fantasy show, uh, I think that's very applicable. And so when I was reading it, uh, there were definitely some things that, you know, made me think about fantasy and that could be applied to fantasy. So without further ado, uh, let me get into some of those things playing some of these. hopefully that comes through in the pod. I, I feel like I cannot read these without his vis So, Alright, so the first thing was something's on visible until you're truly ready to see them, And that really hit the spot for me too, especially since last week's pod we were talking about um, you know, the, uh, Brad Settler's interview uh, of KT Char and how I read that many, many years ago, and it didn't really hit me, right? Even though I I was reading the words and it was coming into my brain, it didn't really hit me. When I reread it this time, it was like, man, all right, like, you know, and that's exactly what Riz is saying right here, you know? Like, I wasn't ready for it, right? And I wasn't able to see and truly grasp it, so, um, you know, that really hit the spot for me. Continue to travel down the path and grind. Sometimes we're not ready for certain knowledge, um, and you know that's just that's just the way the universe works. Uh, and, you know, I can go through so many examples of my life where uh, whether you know, people told me things or whether I experienced certain things, I didn't really understand the gravity of the lessons until I was mature enough or, or whatnot. Um, I could. Oh well, now since I'm already on a ranting thing, I'm gonna take this off to another branch. Um, I am a true psycho, I'm a true psycho, but I used to have conversations with like religion and things like that, like my household, you know, my parents aren't particularly religious, but they believe in God, so they sent me to church at an early age with, you know, Bible study, all that stuff, Um, but as I got older and I actually started to think about certain things, um, some of the religious aspects, especially church, like the institution of church, started to have some questions and things like that right so um i have two kids and in terms of church and stuff like like i do believe in a higher power right but i didn't think so my wife is not really religious right so i don't think i had that pressure to be like yeah we need to send up the church and do study and things like that but my ultimate thinking was like i mean when i started thinking about religion and god it's such a crazy concept, right? Like there's so much stuff, and like me like as like a, a more mature college, like this is when I truly started in college, and I had like mental steroids, and, and helped to think and get to higher planes, even I myself was like totally bugged out on a lot of the concepts, right? So like my thinking was, if I'm not able to handle a lot of that stuff, how is my kid, you know, five-year-old, whatever, six-year-old, even 10-year-old kid, gonna really understand it, right? So. You know i just felt like um yeah it's kind of a similar concept and so i <laughs> <laughs> so, I apologize again <laughs> um i'm just going i'm just all over the place but i don't know i feel like it all ties into it all right next one wisdom wisdom often comes with pain um, you know, can't win or be successful in every success league there's so much out of our control injuries drafts, things like that. and there's always lessons less to learn from bad teams is really applicable. You know, even uh Rocco, you know, the the turning all the all the players out there. Um uh, they have shitty teams too. Right? It's just it's just the nature of the beast, right? So it's just a matter of like what we can learn from it and you know you had your goal, you had your therapy session, right, with you your head team. Right? I've had my therapy sessions with bad teams. So um we can glean lessons from that. We can glean all To help us, uh, you know, in future endeavors, they'll be able to. It's not going to solve everything, obviously. There's so much out of control, but but we can just. Our 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 mission here is to try to control as much as we can control. Third one was find an island, turn inward, discover your true strength. That makes a lot of sense from fantasy's perspective too, because. You know, not only are we all different... Hey, you know, everybody's right? talking about the good old days, right? And we've talked about the the good old days, good old days. Different emotional... Well, let's talk about the mental, good old days. Just... We're just on different planes, right? Different philosophies, different values, right? Different risk preferences, right? So, sometimes... You know, we get into like the high mind the bubble. Like it can be counterproductive at times. You know, and and last week we were talking about like reading a lot of fantasy websites and things like that. Which information is good, but sometimes you know we need to be able to filter it out, and we need to be able to, you know, like you said, go on your go on your own island, right, and just kind of think about things yourself. So in the past I've been talking about I wanted to be more kind of like NSA like just taking as much information as I can It's my favorite one of yours (laughs) thank you it's the NSA thank you uh, (laughs) I want to get on that level where I can you know get as much information but then it's all up to that little analyst in my brain right I have to figure out which filters I want and then from there analyze it and then come up with my own theories and and all things and how it will be applicable to my show that's you know i thought that was i really like how he was saying that it's not just for fantasy that's a that's a true life lesson right because sometimes you know sheep get slaughtered right and sometimes it is good to be uh contrarian oh i've been i was able to email with um uh shoot curtis curtis and you know i've been i've been conning with them and generous with the time on email and stuff like that so we were talking a little bit and uh you know one of his things was like hey you know like you gotta be know? because i was asking him like because he went all in on anthony Davis' entire game was kind of like what was your thinking he's like well everybody was expecting these guys to miss a ton of games yeah so i'm i was yeah so everyone was thinking that i'm gonna get an edge Right Because Right And so to be Kind of counter trading To not follow the sheep You know it's, <clears throat> it's like those Those birds or fish You know When the, the predators Are right on them They all fun together Right And they make the beautiful Like right, music And stuff like that And it's safety in numbers Right Yeah And so like Yeah And from that perspective It's good to be In the group But In a lot of other things And you know I can apply this to like My trading uh, History as well Like times when i've made the most money is when i've been against the hurt you know when i've had i've identified something and right and that, that's usually when you make the most profit in anything especially in fantasy it makes a lot of sense too all right last one <laughs> we we gotta get there all right he's really to test chess so he talks about it a lot and so he says best tactic in life in chess never give up that's how the grades play right down to the last move a simple concept but it's something that I know sometimes I don't always follow through with it and I don't think a lot of people do too right and it's like you just got to keep grinding man no matter what no matter what and I was kind of thinking about your head-to-head team last you know last week like the probabilities are probably like you're not gonna win right like a probability right and you know like you I think you have a pretty fair assessment of your team. but you just got to keep grinding, right? Make those, you know, put your starting line up in, make those fat moves, because, you know, even if it's a 5% chance, 10% chance, hey, that's still a 5%, 10% chance, right? So, you know, you may get lucky, right? Like, um, you know, other teams get hit with injuries, whatever you might fall upon, a waiver wire gem, you might sneak into the playoffs, and then your guys start, you just never know, right? So, you just got to keep grinding, and I know myself, like, that's why for me, I always, no matter what, I'm always gonna set my limits right. Just, you never know. Even though I know it's those, never know. And then this goes back to kind of like step number two, right? Or lesson number two. It's like wisdom comes from pain, right? So you know, it's painful to set those lines It's painful to lose. But sometimes you may be able to gain some, you know, some knowledge from it, some from lessons and things like that. Um, so I don't know. I was reading it. It was uh, it was hitting my dome hitting my heart pretty uh, pretty closely just thinking about fantasy and like a lot of those lessons uh i think are applicable <laughs> to the fantasy life so joel thank you again for uh, you know, <laughs> listening to my rant again uh, i did go off on a, on, a, on a couple of topics but you know i do think that like those are things that can make us better fantasy players uh, in the future so, uh, without further ado joel the ship is yours take it away. Oh, man.
1: Man. We should have, we should have built this differently. Cause like, I don't really know how you move
0: into the next thing
1: from there. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, um this will work out. Cause there wasn't a, there wasn't a Mr. Hooper this week um because, because I had this Christmas tree incident. And so I, I've done all the like thinking and in reality, like some of the writing about what my piece was going to be about, which was, looking at the minnesota timberwolves and so i'll just do like a an audio version of like what i've been thinking about with minnesota um like i said it was supposed to be written um sunday is normally my writing day but sunday also happened to be uh the day that my wife and i were going to get this christmas tree okay and uh we left we're going to leave it like one, you've got to like plan a lot of things early in Wisconsin because it gets dark at four o'clock and just like, it really just breaks my heart that this <laughs> is my my life now. So we were supposed to leave at one, but I fell asleep and we left at like two. We went out to this place, you know, we've never, we've been in Wisconsin now for three winters. Uh The first one, we, uh, I don't remember if we got a tree or not. The second one, we, we had the puppy and so we got like a tiny little tree and we put it on a table because we didn't want the the dog to interfere with it. Now the dog is a dog and we feel like we can get a full size tree. And so my wife looks up a place where we can go to get a Christmas tree that is open on Sunday until four o'clock. We get out there and like no one is there. There's a sign out that says like Sunday, 10 to 4, come in, all are welcome. And it's like a ghost town. It was eerie. and we got the dog with us in the car and it's a whole endeavor. And so we get there and like, there's obviously not going to be a tree here. So we're going to, we get on our phones and find a different place that we can go to. We're going to drive further out another like 15, 20 minutes. We get out there and they've got signs up and they're like, well, we've got pre-cut trees and we can, you can cut your own Christmas tree if you want. Okay. And I was like, I don't think I need to cut my own Christmas tree. I think <laughs> <laughs> At this point, like I, I need to get back home. I want to get this taken care of. I got this thing to write. We go up to the guy and he's like, "We well, you just sold our last pre-cut tree. What? So we can go, you can go cut one down yourself. Right. Isn't this going to be fun, Wisconsin Adventure? And we're like, all right, man. So they give us like a little hand saw. <laughs> and they give us a sled so that when you're done cutting down the tree, you can uh. drag it. So we're like walking through the fields, examining trees, weighing out pros and cons. Is this one too big? Is that one too full? We got the dog with us. It's like, it's cascading into like a situation of just like this is all more than i really bargained for we get the tree we cut it down we drag it back to the car they bundle it up for us i hadn't thought ahead at all the la i guess the last time that we did this we didn't have a dog in the car so we put the tree in the back seat that was not going to be something that we could do this time so i had to figure out a way to strap it to the roof they had twine it, like by the time we get the thing attached to the car it is dark we are now like 25 minutes farther away from where we thought we were going to be. And I don't feel comfortable driving more than like 45 miles an hour because I do not trust my own ability to tie down this tree to the roof <laughs> of my, my little Nissan. All this is to say is that we got back at like, I don't know, five, five thirty, 30. And like, there's just no way that I was going to write about the Minnesota Timberwolves and their pathetic existence after <laughs> having to wrangle this Christmas tree out of the ground. I like now I have like weird guilt because I definitely like I personally killed that tree and now it's just like dying in my living room, <laughs> or whatever you know. So we we have a tree. Merry Christmas!
0: Uh, <laughs> At what cost, Joel?
1: At what cost? <laughs> I mean, she's my wife is very much a Christmas kind of gal. Uh-huh. Um, she thinks that decorating is fun, and you know, there's Christmas music playing now. She was able to hold off until December, which I appreciate. Yeah. Um so at what cost, you know.
0: Well, I mean we answered your question right there. Happy wife, happy life.
1: That is what they say. You know. That is what they say. And uh and you know, we've got like a the front of our house has got big windows, so that we got a big tree in the windows and it looks nice, nice. And yeah, all all's well that ends well and I didn't have to write about the wolves. I just get to <laughs> talk about them. So cool, cool. Uh, um yeah, so this last week for Minnesota was kinda of rough. They they sort of started the week where they – or they sort of ended the week where they started it, which is – you know, I was watching them mostly because I have shares of Gobert and McDaniels. And, I, you know, I wanted to see, like, if this is ever going to work out for Rudy, mostly. Okay. Right. You know, I took him at pick 25 in the Raz Jam, and he has not been the 25th best player. Um, generally speaking, things have just not gone well for Minnesota. Um, they're under 500. And then Towns, of course, injured his calf. He's gonna be out for a month and a half, two months. And so I was watching to sort of see like where how are things gonna fit now that uh, that cat is out. And you and I were were texting back and forth about this, and my theory was that things would kind of snap into place. There was a potential that things were just snap into place because that fit with Rudy and cat wasn't really working and so if you can take one of those guys off the floor everyone's role becomes a little bit more simple it's not as sort of cloudy um and uh, i don't know how true that's going to be i think i think for some of these players it's going to go okay for some of these players it's not going to go so well um but i you know i just sort of did like a an overall assessment first to sort of see what's going on here. And so, Minnesota presently has is in the bottom third of offense. They score 110 and a half points per 100 possessions. They're in the bottom third of defense. They give up 113.6 points per 100 possession per 100 possessions. Um, that's a net rating of minus 1.1. Gross. Uh, Oh, no, excuse me, it's worse than that, uh, <laughs> 1.6. That's so good. Uh, the only teams that that's better than are the Spurs, the Pistons, the Hornets, and the Rockets. And none of those teams want to win. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the other thing that comes, it, it jumps off the screen when you watch them is, like, the turnovers are awful. I mean, it's such a big problem. Um, and, you know, that's because of Edwards, that's because of Delo. Um, this last week that I was watching them, they didn't have Jordan McLaughlin, who's their backup point guard. And so having moved on from Pat Beverly, like there just really wasn't a second guy there. Um, it's, it's pretty ugly basketball. Um, and so I, I was looking over, I was trying to get like a, a, a bearing on where things were before the cat injury and like sort of, were there things that were. Were there things that were working well with Rudy, with any of these other three stars? Okay. Um, and so I looked at on-offs with Rudy, Rudy and Cat, Rudy and Ant, and Rudy and Delo, um, and none of those numbers are good. Like the the incorporation of Gobert has not gone well. So prior to Towns getting hurt, he and Gobert were on the floor for 104 minutes together. That generated a net rating of. Minus one, one, four. Um, With Ant, it's a little bit better, but not much. Ant and Rudy have a net rating of negative 1.07 in 515 minutes. And this is the really bad one is with D'Lo. D'Lo and Rudy have shared the court for 843 minutes. During that time, they have a net rating of minus 3.88. They just do not really work together there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of chemistry um between russell and gobert in particular um, it's it's not good it's not good and and when i was looking at some of these gobert stats um it's not the, mo- the majority of his assisted baskets aren't coming from russell and they're not coming from edwards they're coming from towns and so if the hope was that Rudy would step out and that, or excuse me, that Kat would step out and that Rudy would sort of fill that void or or be able to sort of snap into place, um, I don't know, I I have some reservations about that. Um, Yeah, so, you know, in in part of the assessment here too, I was looking at um, just sort of like overall stats of what the team was doing last year versus what the team was doing this year. Mm and really, what's happened is the offensive rating has just plummeted. As I said, like that 110 and a half points per, per 100 possessions. That's 24th in basketball. Last year, that number was 114. That was seventh. Um, the turnovers are really, really bad. Um, they're worse this year than they were last year, although last year they were pretty bad too. Um, and the other surprising thing that jumped out at me is like you would think that playing Gobert and Towns together that that would be a team that really hits the offensive glass hard with all that size. And the exact opposite has been true last year. The wolves were seventh in offensive rebounding rate this year. They're 19th. Um, So it's, it's just really the, the Gobert integration is not, is not going well. And, and the, the overall like shape of their offense also is, has changed a little bit last year. Um, They're sort of uh, middle of the road in a lot of like where they were getting their shots and how well they were converting them. Um, This year, they're getting to the rim more often and finishing well from there, but they are just bombing out at three. They're shooting, their effective three-point percentage is 48.9. That's 28th in basketball, but they shoot the 10th most attempts. Um, The three-pointer has been a, a weapon that they've been using often, but it has not gone well for them. Um,
0: Sounds like the Lakers but, early in the season.
1: <laughs> it does sound like the Lakers early in the season. And and I do think there is some reason for optimism. Um, here are some of the the things that jumped out at me from three. Edwards is shooting almost seven and a half a game, but he's making only thirty four and a half percent. That's not great. It wasn't great last year. He was shooting slightly more, but he was hitting 35 and a half percent. Um, Cat is shooting 32.5% for the greatest shooting big man of all time, something that I do not subscribe to for what it's worth. 35 and a half or 32.5% is not going to cut it, especially on 5.6 attempts. And D'Lo, oh, man, he shot 34% last year on eight attempts. This year it's 31.9% on six attempts. So, you're, so there's – 20 there's 23 is going up a game from those guys and they're none of them are making more than 35%. Like it's,
0: it's bad. It's, gross. it's so gross.
1: Um, Yeah. And then when you, you, you combine that with, with the turnovers, it's just like, it they're really hurting themselves. Um, you know, the only, the only team that turned the only two teams that turned the ball over more than the wolves are golden state and Houston. Um, they're, they're getting some of it back. They've got a, a fairly strong uh, turnover, uh, defensive turnover rate, uh, going the other way. But it's still a net negative as far as turnovers um, per game. Um, it's it's really it's a, it's been a struggle from three from them. And then on the other end, they're also giving up uh, the 27th worst three-point defense. So. Uh, offensively, Minnesota is missing all their threes. They're giving up a bunch, uh, and a bunch are going in against them. Uh, they force a lot of turnovers. They give up more than they force. <laughs> like, you can you can sort of see from a high level sort of understanding that, like, what they want to do is sort of be this steals, blocks, transition team. They play with the top five pace. Um, but because the pieces aren't fitting together well, you're getting a lot of bad shots. They aren't going in, um, and the turnovers are just brutal. Um, so yeah, what does that what does that mean for for our, the individual guys? Like, um, I think Rudy's probably the the one I'm most worried about. Um, I think that playing with that kind of pace obviously doesn't suit him. And I think that you know, as I was just watching these games and seeing the way that Minnesota defends, it feels like. There are a lot of missed rotations, um, and you know when he was playing in Utah, that was not uncommon either. Is that you know guys would get beat and then they'd have to go see Rudy at the rim, um, and he was getting all these blocks. But the block rate is really scary uh, if you're someone like me and drafted uh, Gobert, you know in the third round or or thereabouts. Um, his block rate is down to 3.9%. His career rate is 6.0 his previous low is 4.8 and so you know all these sort of scrambling defenses in front of him at least in Utah he knew where the the break points were you know you you could sort of anticipate who was going to get beat and that defensive system was sort of set well enough that he could erase shots at the rim it feels like he's just never in a position to get a block uh, with these Timberwolves and I think part of that too is the they're giving up so many points in transition that there's not a set defense back there for Rudy to to get his his block on. Um, I mean it's it's really bad. The among centers, his block rate is in the 59th percentile. I mean this is this is a guy who was the lead leader in blocks for years and years and years. Um, He's essentially Clint Capella. Like that's <laughs> right. that's kinda how it's broken down. Like the rebound Clint is out rebounding him, Clint is out blocking him. Um you wouldn't have taken Clint Capella twenty fifth overall, man. I I'm really worried about Rudy.
0: What's uh, what's Walker Custer's block rate? Do you have the numbers up there right now?
1: I don't have it in front of me. Okay. That could be a, a thing that you can pull up, but it's um I look for it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's definitely better than Rudy's. Yeah. You know, I think that it'd be an interesting thing to look at too, considering he's sort of taken over that that position for Utah. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, in that trade too, right? They sent Malik be- Beasley, who shot like 37% from downtown last year. I mean, they could kind of use that guy. You know, yeah. Rudy's 30, and they gave a muscle first round pick. <laughs> it's like, oh man. Well, the
1: best the best shooter for the Wolves this year is Kyle Anderson. He's shooting 42%, 43% on, you know, one attempt a game. Um, but that's, I mean, that's sort of the story of this whole group is like all the volume shooters are missing at rates that are below what they normally do. Um, and, you know, Kyle Anderson shooting 42%, Torian Prince shooting 39%, Jay McDaniels, Daniel shooting 37%. There's just not enough volume from those guys to make up for all of the misses that you're getting from Cat and Delo I mean, Jalen Noel is shooting 32% on four attempts. Like, there's just a lot of misses, man. Um, and, you know, the long – so you get – you've missed a bunch of missed threes, long rebounds and runouts, all these live ball turnovers. It's just where is – where is it going to get better for Rudy defensively? And, like, the uh, I guess the silver lining for him would be, if they can just cut down the turnover rate, then you'll have a chance to set a defense. Um, but it's it's been sort of the the least likely scenario for Gobert to really thrive um, on the defensive end. And then offensively, we, we talked about this previously, but his finishing, um, you know, it's not a it's not a, a huge percentage points that are that they're all that they're off but it's making a huge difference. Uh, last year on shots from five feet and in, he was making 74 and percent of them. Um, and that was like 95, 94% of his shots were those kinds of shots. This year he's getting fewer of those um, uh, shots less than five feet. This year are about 90% of his shot makeup. So he's having to shoot from further away more often. And he's converting less Frequently when he's there last year, he shot 75%. Like I said, this year, that's 69 and a half percent. And so like all these little margins for Rudy are going the wrong way. Offensively, it feels like, um, it feels like he's not getting the ball. You know, the fact that towns is the player that's assisting him the most speaks to the fact that these guards aren't able to get the ball to him where he needs to. He's catching it further out. It's not like he's developed touch. <laughs> over the off season, and yeah. so you know you you just push this guy who doesn't have that kind of finishing ability further away from the basket more frequently yikes um he's the one i'm most worried about i really you know drafting clint capella he's that's still a useful player but he's not a third rounder you know
0: yeah yeah no for sure um i mean you know I, there, there were rumblings, not rumblings, but you know, people were, there were some concerns, right, in, in the off season. Um, but I think most of the concerns were more on the offensive end, so, you know, the offensive struggles, you know, maybe not too surprising, but yeah, yeah. definitely the defensive, you know, stuff, you figured, right, like, man, he'd still be able to block shots, regardless of the, of the scheme or, or whatnot, so um yeah that's that's definitely concerning i i I mean i was of the mindset that it is still very early i mean we've seen right how a lot of these teams i mean the lakers right they were like horrible the first 10 games like won like two games whatever now they've won eight right so you know they had a new coach come in new system right so new players so it takes time to gel it takes time for you know systems to work and I was kind of leaning towards the yeah Rudy Gilbert will be fine right but I'm kind of, the pendulum's kind of swinging towards your your side because um, not only is the situation you know it's, it's 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 a tough situation but now that cat is hurt now they have to relearn a new thing right because exactly. they were, at first they were trying to you know work in with the two bigs right but now the cat's out now they gotta you know you know figure out new stuff and there's, it'll probably be more ant set trick and and things like that so then. They're gonna have to do that and then cat's gonna come back and then they're gonna have to come relearn out. it again right so uh it's gonna be that's gonna be tough there's gonna be a lot of growing pains um yeah it's uh <laughs> the the really the yeah. one is that that was tough um
1: that's what i mean about like they sort of started the week and end of the week in the same spot just with like very different window dressing of like well we had all these guys that didn't know how to play together um, and it wasn't working. And now it's like, well, we have a different group of guys that don't know how to play together and it's yeah. not really working still, which
0: is worse um, now because, Ant is just, he's super aggressive. Right. So he's <laughs> not really in playmaking, playmaking mode. He's like, I want to attack you and I want to score. Right. So it makes yeah. it worse. Right. Um, yeah. I
1: think of all the players, you know, of the, I guess of like the, the sort of core four there, like I think ants probably in the best shape yeah. during this time while cats out, um, you know, he was – when I was watching him, I was just like, shit, that's a lot of fucking pull-ups, man. And it, it is. It's a lot of, like, high ball screen to uh, an off-the-bounce three. And obviously, having read off those three-point percentages, like, it's not really working. I was surprised and somewhat encouraged to see that um, he's getting to the rim more often this year than he did last year. Watching the Timberwolves last year just drove me crazy because he's had this, like, explosive offensive dynamo in edwards and he just like he settled all the time and so it seems like it's starting to like come in a little bit more for uh for being really aggressive and attacking the rim i think having one fewer big body in the paint will make that easier oh, for sure. Um, i also i think that conditioning might be a factor here okay. you know like we talked in the past about him being uh coming into camp heavy and like we might have a Shaquille O'Neal like sort of playing our way into shape kind of situation yeah. um, and really like the blueprint for the way so the the Wolves beat the Grizzlies this week I think this is their only win um, and the way they did it is Memphis turned the ball over like 25 times and between like Edwards and Noel they just pushed the whole idea was like we're gonna force turnovers we're gonna be athletic in space um we're really tough to guard that way um and i feel like that's something it's already a team that has a really high block and steal rate i feel like that's just like something you lean into further now that things can can move a little bit faster because you're not you don't have to double big
0: yeah um no definitely plus their half core offense is terrible so <laughs> it makes yeah, more sense yeah. <laughs> yeah go go
1: run otherwise you're going to, <laughs> to figure it out you know
0: yeah, but, um, but, you know, that was like a you know, thing with like uh, when I was reading stuff with Holzer over the summer, you know, like made a really conscious effort, uh, made it a priority, you know, especially in you know playoff basketball, things get slogged down. So anytime you can steal extra possessions here and there, and, with, it, you know, I mean, granted, it also helps that he has Giannis. That's like his strength, right? You can't stop yeah. him uh, in transition. But I think, you know, from a macro perspective, it's like, yeah, you know, get easy shots. Um, push, you know, you're going to get more possessions that way. Uh, you'll force, you know, things like that. And, yeah, when you play against really good defensive teams, it's, it's hard to break it down when they're able to set. You know, it's like trench warfare, right? Mm-hmm. So it uh, makes a lot of sense. I I saw, you know, Darvin Ham was kind of talking about that too with the Lakers, you know, bringing over a lot of those similar concepts and mindsets to Lakers. And, you know, you see them too. They're number one on pace. So uh, it makes sense. Like, um, I mean... It, Anthony Davis and Gobert, you know, two completely different players. But a lot of times where Davis gets an advantage is, you know, rebound. Like, he'll go down, he'll run down the floor, and then he'll either, you know, cross match up or he'll, get, he'll just pin someone down low really quickly. Mm-hmm. They push the pace, and boom, it's right there. So, like, those type of possessions. I, I noticed they do that with Giannis, too, a lot. Um, you know, when you can steal those kind of possessions, those type of opportunities, like, that's, that's huge. Um, so, yeah, I, the... <laughs> The turnovers. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they fix that. I mean, right?
1: <laughs> they just like you just have to. If you're if you're gonna be this team that we think that you are of like, uh, you know, a playoff contender, a team that's on the rise, like you just have to take care of the ball more. And you know, a lot of it was, maybe not a lot of it, but certainly a portion was overpassing. I feel like there was an idea of like we really we're trying to get Rudy off. I saw at least two lobs that Edwards tried to throw to him that just like one hit the rim, <laughs> the other one hit the backboard. It's just like it, they know that they need to figure out a way to work him into the system in, in order to get where they want to go. But enforcing it, they're really like, they're causing a lot of mistakes on their, on their end. And yeah. And so if they can tighten up, if they can tighten up with their handle on the ball it gives them a chance to set the defense. It gives Rudy a chance to be a, an influencer at the rim. Um, but you know when when you give it up on you know I can't remember what I said like 19% of your possessions like it's just you're you're fucked. Man. Yeah,
0: no, that's tough. Turnovers are huge. I mean, just for perspective, you know Minnesota 28th in turnovers, 16.6 per game. They're second in offensive pace. So yeah, it makes sense, right? Like slower pace teams are probably total. You know they're gonna turn the ball over less. Whatever. But if you look at the Lakers, their first in pace, I mean, they're only 12th in turnovers. You know, granted, you know, LeBron James <laughs> helps out a lot, but kind of to yeah. your point, right? Like, you know, take care of the ball, but um, yeah, you can't be having Ant just like trying to be N one and, <laughs> you know, trying to be the professor and just throwing up stuff to Rudy. It's uh, pretty crazy, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And so the other the other person that I, or the other two people that I looked at, I looked at D'Lo. His his usage and scoring are both down. I think both of those could come up while uh, while Towns is is on the sidelines. I mean, the trouble is like I don't know if more usage is really going to solve the problem for for Russell. Like those shooting percentages are really bad. His this is the uh, this is a, a sort of quirk of true shooting percentage versus field goal percentage. Um, at forty three point six percent, this is his best shooting season of his career by field goal. Um, but because he's missing so many threes and because he's missing more free throws than he normally does, his true shooting number is as bad is worse than it's been at any time except for when he was in Brooklyn. Like it's just he's he's missing the wrong shots, you know? That's gross. Um You're also you're getting a little bit of a boost from him by having uh, this sort of inflated steal rate, he's up to 1.4 per game, which sort of speaks to the environment that Minnesota is playing in. Um, that's, that's would be a career number for him. So if that number starts to dip a little bit, and if these shooting numbers don't improve, like Delo's a top 90 player right now, that could, that could fall I, again. Like, I'm not sure more usage is going to fix what's going on with the D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell. So, um, I don't know, man. We'll see. I I never have any shares of d I I kind of find him maddening to watch. So
0: yeah, he's well, gross. Do you have any
1: Russell takes?
0: <laughs> he's so gross. Um, you know, obviously I'm pretty familiar with him because I watched him from when he was a pup. The Lakers. Yeah. Uh, it was always mixed feelings from the get-go. Um, but <laughs> my my pops from day one was like, dude, I hate this guy. <laughs> he's the worst. Yeah. Uh, he just felt like, you know, he's just too slow uh, mentally, you know, not clutch, not um, settles a little too much, right? Not not aggressive and just makes some terrible turnovers. And so he's been off him from day one. I was a little more optimistic because I would see flashes. Um, you know, he was never like, he's not an explosive guy where he's going to turn the corner on you and, and, and you know, I ram it out, down your grill. But from time to time, you know, he'd make it rain from downtown, you know, he'd yeah, have some hot. nifty passes from time to time, you know, so I'm like, okay. And, you know, he'll have some big games. Right, he will. But man, just the overall package. yeah, I'm not I'm not really a fan. Uh, but you know, for fantasy, I mean assists are valuable, right? So uh that, that definitely keeps him in the conversation. But yeah, he's pretty gross to watch, actually. <laughs> you know, he's just yeah. he's just not really fun. Uh I'm trying to look I'm at really it. Catch you. Go go ahead.
1: I'm just, I'm as you say I'm really looking forward to this week when I like I don't know why I gave myself the assignment of like figuring out what's going on with the Wolves. But I did and it was not a fun week. Like, <laughs> it, I'm I'm exce- I watched like the the Celtics play last night. It's like, oh shit, good basketball. Cool. How fun. Yeah,
0: man. It's it's you know, it's really amazing. You know, it's just watching the good teams, you know, it's – uh the Celtics the heat right they played twice like that was really fun uh and I mean I've been really enamored I've been watching a lot of Orlando games I know you have yeah I mean just because I have a lot of you know I've called Anthony Bobo, uh Franz Wagner you know and um just very intrigued at a lot of their stuff so but the divergence in quality of play you know when I flipped back from Orlando and then I go to Boston, it's like, whoa, what the hell? <laughs> like, it's yeah. it's like watching. A different game. Yeah, it's like watching, you know, I had to go through, you know, Brazil versus South Korea soccer. And, like, man, that was so painful. It's so painful. But it just shows the, the, the difference in quality of play. Like, it's just insane, right? Like, yeah. you know, one team is kind of just, like, more focused on like the fundamentals and, and kind of technical aspects of the game like they're like you can see them thinking right um i mean south korea they were pretty i mean they had opportunities and they had some moments of creation but compared to brazil like brazil like they're so far past fundamentals they're so far past other stuff yeah. they're on the level of let me try this shit like fuck it like try it it'd be yeah. cool it's or, hard yeah you know like they're dancing while other teams are just running, right? Like they're just on a totally different level. And that's kind of like how it is when I watch between, you know, Boston, Orlando, it's just, uh, it's it's pretty crazy, man. But
1: well, so my, my last, my last like dip into Minnesota. um, And before I can just like excuse myself for a while, um, we talked we've been talking quite a bit actually about Jade McDaniels. You know, when I was talking about that potential trade and whatever. And I I'm worried about Jade McDaniels because it was maybe like a week and a half ago that I was watching the Wolves and he had this sequence where he got called for a foul, he got teed up, it was that was it. You know, you could see him sort of fly off the handle. I think it was against the Hornets and like it was they were rallying to try to make this push yeah. after they'd given the lead away. And McDaniels made a dumb foul and then compounded it by or missed a shot, dumb foul compounded by the technical. And then he went to go sit on the bench. And that exact same sequence happened uh against the Thunder this week, where it was a pretty competitive game uh, throughout uh throughout most I think the Wolves were ahead McDaniels had three fouls in the first half. They come out of halftime. The first defensive possession of the second half, he picks up his fourth foul, and he throws the ball at the stanchion and he gets teed up and he sits for the entire third quarter. And you know, like he's a young player, he's obviously a really talented player. There's a lot about his like stat set that is very appealing from a fantasy point of view. But like whatever message is being conveyed to him by the coaching staff just is not sinking in about like what you need to do in order to stay on the courts. Because it's, you know, you, when, even when you watch him when he's out there, it's a lot of reaching. Like he's got great length and he's pretty quick. And so you feel like you should lean into those skills that you have. But it feels like we've hit it. We've gone past the tipping point now. Just like he's reaching and slapping all the time. He, you know, guys, guys will beat Edwards or beat Russell off the bounce and you see him just flailing at them. And that's where all these fouls are coming from man it's 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 discouraging to watch a young player with that much talent continue to make the same kind of mistake over and over again
0: yeah yeah no i hear you um but you know he was a little bit raw coming in right and he's still you know very young yeah it's 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 really hard to to write off players um trying to see okay so total of 153 games played 78 started right so i mean he's still only 22 years old right yeah Um, and so like back in the day i used to always i was always very quick you know to be like because i my perspective was like especially like mentally and emotionally um if they react this way a certain way like it's going to be very hard for them to change things like that and then um you know, like kind of like what you were saying, if they keep making the same mistakes over and over again, then there's something, I used to identify that as kind of like a, like a genetic thing or or part of their makeup, right? Mm. Um, I think, you know, that's where I'm at now. I feel like that was a little too harsh. And um, especially because the context and, and situation and circumstance, right? I mean, man Mm -hmm. 21 22 years old right like you know we cannot expect these guys to be like completely mature on on any level right whether it be emotionally mentally you know uh, you know as for myself like i don't think i'm on like you know some like higher plane or anything like that but where i'm at compared to when i was in my 20s is like oh, fuck, I'm, like, fucking the Dalai Lama, you know? Like, I'm, like, fucking Buddha, <laughs> right? Like, seriously, like, I was, invite- like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, when I look back on it, like, man, I was such a knucklehead. And, you know, I'm not trying to compare myself to, like, professional basketball players or anything like that, but yeah. my, my basic point is, like, you know, they're still so young, right? And, yeah. like, I, and there's been plenty exa- of examples in the past where, uh, you know, guys... um the light doesn't click on until later, right? It takes time for them to, to, you know, uh, develop with that said, you know, that's not to say that we should completely dismiss it, what you're seeing, right? Because those are facts, right? What you're seeing is what you're seeing, right? And there is some validity to it, right? Because, uh, there are things to glean from it, you know, like for example, like the slapping and the reaching, right? Like that's, that's effort right? Because defense is 90% effort, yeah. pretty much. Move your feet, yeah, move right? Your That's, feet. And then, you know, you can also add on to the fact that you know that the coaches are telling them that, right? So if the coaches are telling them that, right? And then so, so there's, some, you know, there may be some processing error or, you know, some processing lag there. But at the same time, you know, that could be a red flag for something deeper, right? Where there is some sort of like, makeup issue or whatnot right so you know that's the fine line i guess that's that's the the tough part of um kind of uh projecting or or analyzing a player uh while we're talking about this like the person that keeps coming into my head is cam reddish right Mm -hmm. like man like you know come before he was in the league (laughs) like he was like like fucking michael jordan almost you know like on the aau circuit like all those all his peers were like like looking up to him put him on a pedestal they're like he's the most unguardable force offensive force and like athletic you know he's like jumps out of the room like he's super athletic right so you're like you know you're thinking like yeah man you know he's gonna be a star in the league right and then you know there are always things about his defense his iq and A lot of the excuses were like oh he's athletic he'll figure it out he'll get experience right the coaches will you know teach him as he gets more experienced iq and stuff like that so you know so that's kind of like the negative aspect of it although he has kind of picked it up a little bit you know like he's not a complete bust but a lot of times the bus kind of like you know filter out and flame out from that starting point right where we're kind of like it's possible like we kind of overlook we were talking about this last week where we overlook certain information and try to project kind of optimism on a situation where sometimes man it's like clearly right in your face right so you know it's it's very difficult for me to i guess kind of talk about this type of stuff because it is such a fine line and it can go either way right so like you don't want to completely dismiss a player because they're so young but at the same time um you know like there are signs there right and you know, now that I'm thinking about it it's like uh, I mean obviously yeah if you can kind of figure out some way to uh, swing the pendulum one way or the other like you'll find you know I mean that's a tremendous edge right you can find a huge edge on people especially dynasty leagues right because people have narratives precinct, preconceived notions on a player right so if you're able to identify something early right then you can take advantage whether on the buy or the sell side
1: um mm-hmm.
0: yeah i don't know man like like what are your thoughts like, like in, in terms of that when it comes to you know young i think
1: you've been reading the the outline because it it's a very nice segue into the other thing that i wanted to talk about which was we're professional, really thinking about, we're professional thinking about thinking about dynasty that's true we are we are i suppose um you know i think it's interesting that you brought up cam reddish because I, I thought the player that you were going to mention was andrew wiggins you know as a, a top pick for the timberwolves yeah just never really put it together. Um, Draymond Green had a, a quote last year, and I, I can't remember if he was speaking explicitly about Andrew or if he was talking about someone else, but he said that no one ever blames a situation. It's always the kid. No one ever blames these shitty franchises that just blame, blame the player, and it's not always the kid's fault. It's never the organization's fault in these, in these conversations. And, you know, I think the he's got a point, you know, there's a reason why some of these, some of these franchises are 15 years from being in the playoffs, haven't won a playoff series. You know, talk about the, you know, we've been talking about the Timberwolves, you know, their lack of success is evident, you know? Um, And so I was thinking about that. Uh, I was also thinking about like in the context of of dynasty basketball, I was listening to true hoop um, and David Thorpe, who I think is just, like, one of the best basketball minds available to us. I was talking about Jabari Smith the other day and, like, how hard it was for Jabari to look good or for Jabari to develop or for Jabari to really, like, sparkle on the Rockets because that's an entire team of of guys that are trying to get a shot off. Um, You know, their bottom five uh, in assists Uh, They're only better than Dallas, which is hysterical, because that's just Luka. Uh, Atlanta, Orlando, and OKC. Um, And I think, you know, I watched portions of that Rockets game last night against the Sixers, and it definitely felt like that, of like, if you touch the ball, you better go do something with it, because there's no promise that it's coming back. And so for a guy like Jabari, who doesn't really have a bag, he's not someone that you're going to throw the ball to, and let him go create. Like he wasn't even that guy at Auburn. He was much more of a, a shooter, sort of guy playing off his teammates. He's going to look bad this first year, a because he's a rookie and it's a hard league, and b because he's playing in a in a system where just like everyone is in a hurry to score and no one is in a hur- in a hurry to look to make their teammates look better. Um, and so, with all that being said. I was curious about your thoughts on, you know, are there are there franchises that when they draft a prospect, you go, yes, that's going to work. I bet they'll turn him into something. Uh, and are there franchises that are on the other side of that coin where you a player gets picked and you go like, oh man, they're going to fuck this kid up. Um, and does that sort of uh, does does the team environment come into how you think about? Prospects in the, in the longer term for for playing fantasy basketball.
0: I think it definitely has an influence for sure. um You know the the two things, the two teams that really stand out to me: San Antonio and Toronto. And mm-hmm. so, any time Masai drafts somebody, my antennas perk up. You know, yeah. I'm just yo, you know, like he has such an eye for talent, and his track record, you know, is proven. So uh I'm always interested. Uh, in that and you know I, I always you know dig deeper in, into his particular uh you know guys what even not just drafting but it, you know if he's interested in trading for a player or whatnot like i'm always gonna dig deeper san antonio i mean they're just their developmental staff is you know one of the best you know shooting coaches, whether it be shooting coaches or just any of the bench coaches like um i'm always yeah if you go to san antonio and then also kind of their culture and just how they kind of uh, deal with things, right? They they allow. You know, I mean, they're more uh, conducive to to development. So, but finally, basically, anywhere Jerry West is a consultant, like yeah. wherever he, where whoever that team drafts, I, I'm not gonna say I'm, you know, I'm never gonna be on somebody because, but it'll force me to dig deeper into them, and you know, just like what are they seeing? Because yeah, I mean, the track record speaks for itself, right? So yeah, um, in terms of teams uh, where I get scared of there's no team in particular where I'm like, uh, you know, like they're going to fuck this kid up from like a developmental standpoint. Although like, I'm sure there are some teams out there, but for me, it's more about, I guess what's where in the process or where in the stage, that particular team is at and how kind of like the depth jerk works. Like if they're in a win now mode, then it's like, man, then I really have to think about it because you know, this it's, it's talent and opportunity. Right. So Mm -hmm. first you want to identify talent, but then also, you know, you want to have, is there a chance that this guy can play? Right. And like, you know, you, you know, you kind of highlighted the Lakers. Like, I mean, it's tough for a rookie to come in and play, right. Because they're in LeBron's, you know, window. Right. So are they going to really trust, you know, a kid? I mean, he really has to be exceptional, like just an outlier, right. To, to really like make an impact. Whereas if you look at a team like, know indiana even though they're doing well you know they're not really in like you know win now contender status like they're like all right we got Mm -hmm. younger let's play them right let's just do shit right and so you know like andrew nemhart right like um yeah what a game yeah uh, that was great and uh man it it kind of hurts me because i had him in my main event and i had him like what a week and a half ago because you know i Mm -hmm. kind of like what i saw but then you know i i picked up um Jose Alvarado, which I'm not mad about, but then... He also had like a 40 piece. Yeah, so I wasn't mad about that, and actually, we could talk about Alvarado later, uh, because I thought that was kind of interesting, like, how just the whole thing kind of led up to everything, but I I dropped Nemhart for Fultz, so I'm not necessarily Mm. mad about it, and like, you know, Nemhart's game came because Halliburton was out, but I just feel like, you know, Fultz had more long-term viability, but you know, with that said, I mean, with The way Nemhart is playing now, like he, he was given the opportunity to let his talent kind of shine. So now that the team has seen it, right? Even when Duarte and everybody's healthy, you know he may have carved out a role for himself, right? But he wouldn't have been he wouldn't have gone to that level without. You know some sort of opportunity where he was, because you know he was still playing even before that game, you know, like 20 minutes a game. You know, 20, mid to low to mid, you know, yeah. 20. So and he's you know, been
1: playing most of the season. Yeah,
0: so he was a part of the team, you know. So whereas you know, if you go to like a win now team, I mean they would probably stick him in the G League or right? They just want to give him reps because you know how you know like for example like, you know, um, Denver. I mean, I and Bobo is kind of a perfect example of this, right? I mean. They're in win now with jokic and murray like mm-hmm. their team is stacked and the depth chart like who's bobo gonna play over right you know I mean, mm-hmm. it, I mean he's awesome right now but for actually like winning basketball it's tough to have him on the court because there's a lot of things that like he does poorly you know defensively yeah. like he's he's a mess defensively right so you know for him being in Orlando is like the nut scenario because Orlando doesn't yeah. care about winning; they're going to give an opportunity, right? So, um, yeah, so that's my answer to that question.
1: <laughs> well, I want to I want push back yeah, a little bit on this on this Lakers thing. Let's go, let's I think go. that so I think there are a couple of things. Okay. Um, I think your win now point is valid, although I'd like to remind you that there was a time before LeBron James was there, and there was Lonzo Ball, and there was Brandon Ingram. And there was uh, Julius Randall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think that if you want to be critical of uh, of the Lakers' developmental prowess, that's the that's the thing that you point out. Just like there was a time, there was D'Angelo Russell. There was a time when there was a lot of uh, blue chip, highly thought of talent on the roster, and all of them have gotten better since they left.
0: Part of it be, could be. Okay, so part of it could be that the other teams reap the developmental of the Lakers staff. Mm. Could be. I'm not saying it is, but it could be, right? So, you know, because if you look at a lot of the history, like, they've done pretty well in their second-round picks, right? And a lot of their undrafted signings, you know, like, um, you know, Austin Ray's Caruso, like like those type of players, like, like they've been okay in the second round, you know, like Kuzma, right? So, you know, Playing in LA is is different, right? There's a different pressure, right? There's there's different vibes, right? Is, and so, um, like I said, I'm not saying that this is particularly the case, but they obviously took them to a certain level, right? Where when they went on to the you know a different team and they were given opportunities, then they they were able to flourish and their their you know their whatever their talents and their acumen uh kind of flourish where you know you know what i'm saying so yeah so i'm not sure you know um because you know i think they have to be given some credit because most on all those players shined okay i'll push back i'll push back to your pushback on this one so brandon ingram early on in his career like i had worries about him because of his jumper right and 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 his physical frame right but Mm -hmm. while he was with the lakers like his shooting percentage started to increase and what see like whether it's hard to give prick or to pin credit because was it the lakers staff or was it ingram right Right. because a a lot of development has to come from within right once he left la then he flourished because you know he had opportunities and then the efficiency numbers just just went through the roof right but right. you could see the progression while he was at the Lakers. Like it was, it was slow incremental, right? So, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. I like, I well, can see both scenarios.
1: And you raise a good point because there are, um, there are a lot of factors. Like one of it, you know, Draymond saying it's, it's never the organization; it's always the kid's fault. And like sometimes it is the kid's fault. You yeah. know, maybe they're not serious. Like, that was a thing that you heard about. Bull Bowl, Bowl in Denver was like he he wasn't really engaging with the process of being an NBA basketball player. The thing that I, that I feel like I heard on a podcast recently was just like, he was like, he was interested in non-basketball things, or he was like with the wrong people when, while he was there yeah. and that influenced him. And so there's the, the role of like the individual, there's the role of the indivi- of the organization that drafts them. And there's also like, you know, like we were talking about recently is like, time you know like it's just it's a really hard league you know and even if you are like look at scotty barnes like you were rookie of the year last year um evan Mobley had a great year but like growth is not linear and like things things there are fits and starts to this and so um you know the fact that brandon ingram is better now than he was with the lakers is also probably a result of like you know he's just he's had more seasons he's figured more stuff out he's developed too Um, and the other thing too that makes this difficult is like um, are we evaluating teams on how well they draft and identify talent or are we uh, discussing like how well uh, they're able to polish talent once they get it so like thinking about the Nuggets right like the fact that they drafted Bol Bol and Jokic and Bones Highland and Monte Morris and Malik Beasley like when a team when the Nuggets draft someone I feel uh I feel confident that like they have identified someone that can probably play Um, as opposed to like when the wizards draft someone, I just assume that guy's not very good (laughs) because they haven't had a good player since like Bradley Beal. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, So there are a lot of facets that go into this, but you know, it does, it does make me think about like what, you know, when I'm thinking about dynasty leagues or who are the players I want to build around, um, like for that 30 deep, like, the young guys that I drafted are in Toronto, Toronto and, and San Antonio and kind of Atlanta, which I'm a little worried about because that shit is going sideways again for them <laughs> predictably. Um, you know, but you know, like what the Pelicans do is really impressive too. Like Jose was Alvarado or Herb Jones. Those were undrafted at second round guys. Um, the way that they've handled Trey Murphy of like, you know, he was a top 15 pick. He had a really rough rookie season. They sent him down to the G League. He got his shit straightened out. He's come back, and he's a really big part of a really good team. Um, that You know, that's, a, that's an organization that I have a lot of trust with. Um, same with the Grizzlies. I watched the Grizzlies play last night against um, – shit, I don't remember who they played. But there was a game without Bain, without Morant, without Conchar, and, like, Kennedy Chandler was just out here diamond up, Brandon Clark. And I was just like – it's just another guy they got, yeah. you know, it's just another weapon that they've drafted and they're cultivating. Like that's
0: another franchise that feel really good about. Let me ask you let me ask you a question. Hmm. If you were uh the director of of a team, uh player evaluation, would you side do you side more towards uh physical attributes or uh the mental emotional aspects of a player? Yeah, you know that. I think that's
1: hard. I think that's hard. Um, by The way, the the Heat is who they played last night, and they won at home. Because um, I I'm of two minds of this, because like I think I see with a team like Toronto, you can see what they're trying to do. It's like we are going to be team disaster. Like we are going to be in passing lanes. We're going to have tip balls, block shots. We're never going to score against us. We're going to play at this pace and get out and do it. And I think if you can commit to, like, that kind of build and, like, you have that vision, um, then that's a worthwhile pursuit. But I also think I remember I remember when I was in college and uh, St. Louis U hired Rick Majerus to be their coach, and I went to, like, I was very interested in Billiken basketball then, um, and I would go to times when he was speaking. You know, just like, what does this guy have to say? And he was talking about recruiting. And, like, obviously, St. Louis is a, a mid-major, I think, is what he would qualify as. And it's not, you know, it doesn't have the, the basketball reputation of, like, Xavier or Creighton or other schools, similar schools. And so when Majerus was talking about recruiting, he would say that he didn't care about rankings. He wanted to draft winners. Like, give me the guy who, uh, who – took his high school team to three state, state championships. And like, that's, I can make that work with that kind of guy. And so, you know, when I look at like what the Grizzlies are doing, that is not like a physical uh, build kind of operation there. You look at like, you stand Tyus Jones and Kennedy Chandler up to David Roddy, you know, and just like, all right, we got, we have some competing ideas about like what a, a good basketball player looks like um but they're, but they're making it work you know like that i think you can do either one i think it's probably better if you have a build that you're trying to accomplish like what messiah is doing in toronto um but i also, but I also think like you get you get talent and and you get winners where you can like that's also not a bad way to do it That how's that for fence sitting i don't,
0: I don't know yeah no no i hear you you know there's I mean, we, we espouse upon this all the time, you know, like there's no one right way to do it. Right. It's just, there's so many different styles, so, so many different strategies, right? Like you and I, we have different perspectives, right? Different values. So, uh, it's just always interesting to hear, uh, just, you know, different, different ways of going about it. You know, like me personally, I used to subscribe to the, the Al Davis of, of kind of player evaluation, you know, uh, scroll to the, uh, the speed column and then, right. just. Uh, you know the you know the guys that jump the highest and you know whatever, uh you know fast you know fastest agility you know numbers all that stuff. But I think where I'm at now, I definitely side more towards the mental and emotional uh, makeup of of a player, uh, and it ties into the winning part of it. Um, but the winning, yeah yeah I mean yeah because okay like for example, I remember back in the day. Uh, they used to watch uh FS1 out here. Uh, anyways, like Fox Sports one, and so from time to time they'll show um uh, high school basketball championships. So out here it's called CIF. And I remember mm-hmm. I was watching this one game, and um it's like team from Palo Alto, right? And I'm just watching, man. You know, it's like just a bunch of white kids running around, right? And I was like, man, there's this one Asian kid there. I was like, oh shit, that's cool, right? I'm Asian, he's Asian. All right, let me watch. And he started, he's just balling out. And then I'm thinking, well, all right, this is the CIF finals. Like, all right, I mean, he's got to be good or, you know, they wouldn't be in this position, right? And the more I keep watching him, I'm like, oh, shit, right? Like, he's balling the FL, right? But then in my mind, I was like, yeah, you know, like, I don't think, you know, he's any type of, like, NBA player or anything like that. But, you know, it was cool, right? He's in the championship. He won a state championship, whatever. Um, it, you know, Jeremy Lin right and then oh, so, shit. yeah so you know I was like, what you know and it's just crazy like later when i saw what he did and then you know as i dug in a little more into like his story um you know he he i mean he's like the typical asian kid right like his parents are like you know doctors or whatever and like you know he's whatever and you know he's just on that path like where the argyle you know shirt would play the violin mm-hmm. and you know whatever right but you know, for him from an early age, like, you know, he played ball. Like he's just going out there playing ball. And then, you know, he got a lot of shit because he's Asian, right? But mentally, he was strong enough to be like, "Yo, f you, right? I'm here to play ball. Like, you know, talk shit, I'm bringing it, right? So that that aspect of it, yeah, he had to have that sort of mental toughness, right? You know, a lot of kids don't have that, right? And then, you know, going back to the winning part, right? Like if you looked at that team, his high school team, it was literally like bunch of just like five 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 six white dudes just running around and you know just lynn just he's just breaking down the other team's defense and scoring you know right so that goes back to your winning part right like you know he's able to like not only elevate his his players but take control and, and you know get to that level right so you know he has that mental you know mental and emotional aspect of it combined with the winners and i would say most players that have because, you know, everybody in the NBA, they're, like, already the top 1% of the 1% physically, yeah. right? Like, even, like, even like the, the, the whatever, the most, like, like, bull band, right? Like, you think, like, he's, like, just some lumbering giant. But I bet you he'll, you know, he probably out-agilities me, right? You know, so, yeah, already, so, physically, that's why I'm, like, physically, I never really get too concerned about it. So, at that right. level, it's the differentiators, right? It's the, you know, the mental aspects, like and you know obviously like kobe's a outlier he's on the other extreme right we're just a complete focus and just like like psychopath but that's why he's one of the greatest right and so like kevin garnett right like when i read stuff and like dig into kevin garnett dude was a freaking psycho right but right for basketball he's just like so locked in so focused right and just like just everything about his life was 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 hoops right and so, I, you know, I, I do think that, like, you know, when there are, you know, players where, you know, and this is not to say you cannot have outside interests, you cannot, but, you know, when you're comparing yourself to, you know, like, like, for example, like, you know, to take it to like NFL, you know, like the difference between like Peyton Manning and like, what, I don't know, like Russell Wilson or whatever is fucking huge, right? Because you know, Russell Wilson, he's out there with Ciara. They're, you know, going out to the clubs and, you know, he's making his, you know, whatever, Mr. Fantastic videos and shit like that. Peyton Manning, he, you know, he's at home, like, you know, grinding tape, you know, like figuring out strategy, you know, and like thinking about the past game, thinking about future game, you know. And so, like, um. <laughs> you, know, you know, like the concept of, like, first in the gym, last to leave, you know, like sure. it's so cliche right? It really is, and I guess you hear it all the time, and I didn't really truly understand it until, like, you know, later in life, you know, and then, and then, you know, you read these stories of, you know, Kobe's, you know, like, dude's going to the gym at, like, 6 a.m., and Kobe's already coming out because he already worked out for two hours, and he's sweating, you you know, or, like, you know, dudes, or, you know, there's some guys that, you know, practice from 9 to 5, or whatever, right? They come in at 9, they leave at 5, right? most of those guys right i mean they'll be good like are they you know how many of the great players are like that right mm-hmm. probably i'm sure there's some but i think you know the sample size is probably very small right because yeah I would yeah imagine. you know and you know like when i think of like giannis right like physically he was so raw what was he like six nine 180 was it i think 180 or something like that some crazy yeah, when stick. he first came to the states yeah. he was just yeah. a stick, stick right and like you know everybody you know granted he was from europe so it was a little different so in terms of tape and stuff like that but you know like, like reading his story like you know he worked like 50 pounds, he put on 50 pounds of muscle that in and of itself is like the work ethic right but then you know mentally like if you if you watch his videos from when he was at that age like he's super mature, super focused already, right? He wasn't about like, yo, I got the bag, right? I'm going to do this, do that, right? You know, he was, his mindset, like you could see it, right? He's like, mm-hmm. I want this, I want to do this. And like, you know, and so I think, I do think that, you know, those kind of maturity things and, you know, emotional, like, you know, things like, yeah, like they're very, very important. And the reason I guess why I put a lot more credence on those aspects of a player now is because i look at myself right like because you know i used to play sports you know basketball i played volleyball college right so so some competitive stuff and like physically i had some physical skills i had you know awareness wise iq wise i was pretty good but mentally and emotionally like yeah that's where i had some breakdowns right Mm -hmm. you know sometimes i get flustered or i would like things get to me or sometimes i would get too excited right too high too low you know like like i wouldn't get scared i will talk shit and you know i'll do all that stuff but it's just that it was too too volatile i guess mm. right whereas i think like the i think the the greats in anything i i don't think there's volatility you know i think it's very smooth and it's like pretty like yeah, I think it's very smooth without too much ebbs and flows and it's just very focused and kind of like yeah. the plane is right. All right. Rather than just this, because that just kind of indicates like too much volatility and, and like things are not stable right? you know, that, I don't know. That's how, am I rambling? Any of that stuff making sense? Or? <laughs> no, I
1: mean, I, I mean, I think that it's uh, it's prescient because you can say, you know, like the, the physical component of like being a basketball player, at the highest level, like it just matters, you know, like the basket's ten feet from the off the floor, like being closer to the basket matters. You can't teach height. Um, you, can't you can't teach height. height. So there are like some. I can't remember who said it. I was doing a podcast this week and they were talking about some young athletic wing, and he was like six five, <laughs> and the guy was like, anytime that that's the case where like you got a wing guy who's six five, you just kind of wish he was six eight. <laughs> it, it would just make things easier. Um, but But, you know like when you're talking talking about about, like the really elite level you know you invoking kobe bryant here like yeah i think you have to be maniacal you have to be um you have to be singularly focused in that kind of way to to sort of really unlock yourself or get as much out of whatever you can whatever you've been given you know that was uh was it uh Friends hang sometimes, banners hang forever. I feel like that was a Kobe Bryant probably, joke. You know, it's like probably. didn't didn't have a lot of friends, yeah. didn't have like people that he was really close with because he was so, you know, driven and focused. And so, you know, when you get to, when you get to a certain spot, or you get to a certain like level of like these are the best players at this thing, and you're trying to figure out how, you know, who's gonna sort of bubble up out of that like really elite group. Yeah, it's gonna be those those people that are just like bonkers about what it is they're doing you know and are, are driven to the point of uh to the point of extremes you know so yeah, yeah. i hear what you're saying for sure Yeah,
0: definitely I, and you know listening to his videos like you know he's like from an early age he knew right and it helps that he was exposed to basketball because of his dad and things like that so right but the fact that he was able to identify like his passion and then once he identified it then he just knew he went straight forward like for me, when I was younger, like I, I was, I was lost. I was, you know, just, there was no focus. I didn't know like which direction I wanted to go. I, I didn't really find my passion until much later in life, right? So, like in high school, you know, I definitely had some gifts, you know, offensively whatever, like for volleyball in particular, and you know there were definitely opportunities there, right? But yeah, you know, I you know I had friends. I wanted to go party in K Town, right? And drink. And I, I used to smoke, and and. I was still able to play at a at a pretty high level. But then, you know, when I think about it and then when I think about, like, th- my experience there and, like, professional athletes and it's like, you know, the ones that are truly great, they're not smoking. They're like, dude, that's going to affect my play. They're not, you mm-hmm. know, th- they may go out, right? You know, friends and stuff like that. But they're not going to drink that, that much. They're definitely not going to smoke because that's going to affect, you know, physically, they, uh, hinder their play. And then, you know, rather than, a lot of times like the greats, you know, they'd be like, well, why am I going to go out when I can try to get two more inches of vert or, you know, like practice more or, you know, figure out this, learn this. Right. And so, you know, it's funny because, you know, when I look back on my life, I'm like, man, sometimes I regret it. I'm like, shit, you know, if I wouldn't have done that, if I would have done that, you know, maybe certain things, my path would have gone a different way. But then, you know, at the same time, I realized that, you know, you know, exposed where my priorities were at and where I was at. mentally, Right. So, and you know, that's, and that's kind of like what I was saying about like the mental, emotional aspects of a player, because like, you know, the truly great ones, like they are focused. And then because of that focus, they're going to do everything to align with that focus. Right. So, you know, eating that candy bar at 12, you know, at midnight, those guys are probably not going to be eating the candy bar you know, and I, yeah. Well, yeah. for me, I mean, I, eat, I, I'm eating the candy anymore at, at midnight, <laughs> <laughs> but, Um well, you're not playing volleyball yeah. anymore, either, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, like, so now, you know, like, like even if I do, like, fantasy drafts on, like, you know, 2k or whatever on, on the PlayStation, you know, before just scroll to the physical attributes, but now, like, I actually take into account the IQ awareness, you know, so it's just like, yo, you know, I don't want, just some dude that can run around and jump and stuff like that if he's always going to be in the wrong position, right? I want the dude that's going to be there, you know?
1: <laughs> you want the dude that's going to be there in the pixel universe. I want... Yeah. Give me the grinders <laughs> in, the, uh, in the metaverse here. Huh? Yeah. No no digital candy for you. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. Oh, hey, man, you got to get to your numbers thing. I really yeah, I really like this idea.
1: Let's shut, let's down. shut it down. So, um, the we... You at, at the top of these podcasts, you normally say – you actually didn't today, yeah, I don't think – uh, what number podcast this is. And yet last week was number 54, and when you said, that, you said that, my mind was like, all right, 54s, 54s. And I remembered Horace Grant, um, so shout out to Horace Grant. This is podcast number 55, The Double Nickel. Um, and so I was just thinking about and like going through basketball references, a uh, list of players who have worn 55. Um, And some names that that jumped out to me, Uh, one was uh, was Dikembe Mutombo, War 55. Dikembe Mutombo was um, present. The very first NBA game I ever went to was Nuggets-Suns. My dad bought the tickets because he wanted to show me how big uh, Charles Barkley was in real life. Um, Charles did not play that night so I got to see how big Dikembe Mutombo was in real life so uh, so shout out to Dikembe um, Jared Jack apparently wore 55 which I don't actually remember I don't think he wore it when I was watching him play with the Warriors a lot um, Keon Duelling wore 55 uh, Duelling went to Mizzou my dad went to Mizzou so I grew up a Mizzou fan Keon Duelling was a, a lottery pick uh, that didn't have an amazing career Um, but it was a name that was was really pertinent for me as a kid and uh, I was going to shout out Keelan Dooling because sometime after he retired he was public about um, being sexually abused as a child and talked about the shame that he carried with that and I I think that it's important that you know if you're a survivor of those kinds of things that you can talk about without shame and understand that it's not your fault and i wanted to praise keon dueling for doing that and i have and now that i have we can also acknowledge the fact that earlier this year he was involved in a fraud scheme (laughs) uh, stealing stealing money from the nba players association (laughs) Uh, he was a former uh, he was a former vp of the NBA national basketball players association Added to a criminal case in which 18 former NBA players were charged with illegally pocketing millions of dollars by defrauding the league's health and welfare benefit plan. So, key on dueling, you know, the, the duality of man. There are positives and there are negatives. Um, shout out to him. And then my last one, um, just as like a white guy who likes the NBA, of course, shout out to 55 White Chocolate Jason Williams, who was just like the most fun uh part of basketball for a couple of years
0: for me. Um uh, those he was, the, Sacramento he was the he was the goat. He was the, I he was I loved so cool. him so much. He was so awesome, you know, and I mean the stuff that he did on the court was was amazing. It was it was yeah. he, he yeah. was so fun to watch, man. Um
1: yeah so, those, yeah, so those those are my 55s. You got double nickels for yeah, us? Yeah, I
0: do. I do like that list, man. I was I was all about white chocolate. I mean, one of my favorite players all time. Uh, Matumbo, I loved it. Um, Jared Jack, Keon dueling I like. I remember him just when he was at the Clippers. Yeah, uh, yeah. He and Clinton Richardson, like they'd be knuckleheads together. <clears throat> so that's my memory of Keon dueling, Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, that's one of mine. Clinton Richardson, fifty-five. You know? Oh, Joe, yeah. oh, I
1: didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. So
0: you know, they they wear the headbands. You know, I think Darius. When did Darius? Mm-hmm. Miles, Darius Miles got there at Darius some point Miles. too, right? So they'd always you know do the thing to the forehead. Um, yeah shout out to him but quinn richardson was was interesting because like like he was he was built like a football player man and like you know he he could stroke it from downtown but man like when he took it to the lane like he was a beast um yeah so he he, he was tough i always i always appreciated him even though he was a clipper uh kiki Dandaway, as you know that's kind of old school but uh you know he was he had some skills i've seen a lot of highlights of him um yeah, you he, he was a tough player. Jordan Crawford. You play um, <laughs> you know, he wasn't the best player, but he was kinda like I mean, he was a microwave. Like he just give me the ball, I'm gonna score. I'm just shooting it, i I'm getting the ball, I'm not pat pass- I'm just shooting it. And uh, I mean he had a few games in his career where he like he 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 dropped many, 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 many buckets. So he you know, he was always fun to me. Uh, and
1: jordan crawford and Jarrett jack absolutely shared uh second team minutes for some warriors teams that i watched in uh like 2013 that's right, that's right. they
0: were together that's right i, re- I didn't even yeah. make that connection yeah that's right um joe kim noah you know it's sure. uh funky shot uh you know i you know he he's just such an interesting player to me right because dominated in college those florida teams um you know his wife's a supermodel right dad's like a famous tennis player Mm -hmm. uh so you know he's he's not like your typical like he doesn't have the typical backstory right and but the thing about it is like the dude had so much grit like he had so much like toughness you know to him and the way that he played like I, I don't know, I guess this is kind of stereotypical, right, but anyways, like, the way that he played, you would have never known, like, what his upbringing was, right, because a lot of times, mm-hmm. like, those type of kids, like, you know, they're probably a little softer, right, you know, yeah. I think yeah. just because, you know, they, they don't have to go through certain things in life, right, but but Noah was a freaking beast, and, like he like, he always, I think he grew up in New York, or he spent time in New York or something like that, but you know like i you yeah. know i lived out in new york for many years like 8 years so he always embodied like that kind of like you know the like the new york borough kind of mentality and you know i always appreciated that and, you know he's gotten into like many many tussles and fights with with other guys um you know he played on those a lot of those you know chicago bull teams and like you know it, it was it wasn't like aesthetically pleasing to watch him like i didn't actually like watching him play because he was an ugly player <laughs> ugly shot ugly player but i always respected his uh tenacity and like his toughness you know like he yeah, yeah. yeah he was always like you know up in people's faces and um you know just just doing the dirty work so yeah shout out shout out Joe Kim though
1: <laughs> so i had to look it up because i i didn't think he wore 55 when he was with the bulls and he didn't oh, 55. 55 came in later okay, okay. With the Clippers. Apparently, Clippers is where you go if you
0: want to wear 55. I guess, so Quinn Richardson, um, yeah, yeah. Key on yeah. Um
1: That's funny. He also wore 55 for the Memphis Grizzlies, which is a thing,
0: a part of his career I have no memory Yeah, what, of. what, what number was he on at the Bulls?
1: So he wore 13 for the 13, Bulls. He right. played for the Knicks that's for two years, won. wore 13. Right. And then as a, 30, as a 33-year-old uh, in 2018, he played 42 games for the Grizzlies wearing 55 and then had five games in Los Angeles uh, the following year before retiring, also wearing the 55. So I don't care. It's a strong he wrist, wore it. Man. That's all that matters to me. <laughs> Put it on the board. Put it on the board. Uh, all right, man, this has gone way long. Um, Yo, time. F- next time that I'm in charge, we'll, we'll do it shortly. Time
0: flies when we're having fun, Joel.
1: I guess. i guess um you got anything else for the people man i feel like we've covered it all no more no more timberwolves talk please
0: uh all right we're done with the timberwolves i mean <laughs> you don't want me to talk because then i'll just start branching out and rambling on, on that's on right branches. that's right so
1: thank you thank you for joining us <laughs> yeah no always
0: a pleasure joel uh thanks everyone anything else you want to uh to to say we'll see you next week sounds good take it easy
1: joel man.